You're listening to episode 27 of Fringing, the no-nonsense, all-practical, sometimes hilarious podcast show that helps women like you and me grow healthy female friendship because sometimes it's kind of complicated. And for those of you who are finding it easy all the time, well, we're happy for you. For the rest of us, I'm here for you, and today we're going to talk about the secret to having a drama-free friendship. There is a great myth out there that as you grow older, you have less drama in your friendships. I wish that was true. I wish that was true. If it was true, I wouldn't be doing this show. There would be no need for friending. But the, the real truth is that drama can exist at any age, and it doesn't simply go away with age. I have heard stories of serious drama happening in friendships among women who are 65, 70 years old. So to cross your fingers and hope that drama just will go away as you grow older is a little bit naive. I'm just going to be straight with you. It's a little bit naive. There is some things that do need to take place if you want to have less drama in your friendships. I suppose I could tell you just to have some more mature friends, but the real bottom line to all this is sometimes the drama is because of what's going on inside our own minds. I want to tell you a little story. This is a true story, and I'm not too proud to say that out loud, but I'm going to tell you this story because I want to give you an example of this thing that we do in our relationships that causes a lot of drama. And if we stop doing this one thing, we're gonna find that we're gonna have a lot of less drama. So this story is true, 100% true, and I have several people that can back it up for me, but it takes place in the year 2003. I was a young college student about to get married just a couple months away from my wedding date and I was at school living in my college dorm apartment with other friends, and it was the early evening hours of the day. And I had done school all day, then I did my after-school job as a nanny, and I came home to my apartment, and a few of my friends were there, and I was waiting for my fiance, good-looking hillbilly Troy, to call me. Now, at the time, good-looking hillbilly Troy worked at the King of Prussia Mall, and he sold something called SodaStream, which I believe is some kind of machine that helps you make your own soda. We were about 20 years old and about to get married, and so I believe he was working at this kiosk in the mall to sort of tuck away some money before we started our big life together and he normally worked every single weekday after class. Now, on this particular day, I was waiting for him, and waiting for him, and waiting for him to come back to campus. He drove this obnoxious Cadillac that you could hear about 10 miles away. It was a car that his grandfather had given him. He loved this car dearly with all of his heart, and it was loud, and it was, dare I say, maybe a little bit dangerous because it was so old, and 
I would wait to hear the car pull into our university parking lot where we both kind of lived. He lived in an apartment next to me. And then we would reunite for the day and maybe get some dinner. And so I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And while I was waiting, it began to rain. About a half hour goes by and he's not back when I thought he was going to be. And I'm looking outside and I see the rain and I know it's about, I don't know, 20 minute drive from where he worked. And I'm thinking, huh, why isn't he back yet? I go outside, I look for his Cadillac, I don't see it anywhere and trust me, it was really easy to spot. I come back inside and I begin to panic. And I think to myself, where is my good-looking hillbilly fiancé? Another half an hour goes by. I'm calling him on his apartment phone. I am pacing outside every once in a while looking for his car. I'm asking people if they've seen him. Nobody has seen him. I go back into my apartment and I begin to have what I didn't realize at the time, a full-blown panic attack. Because at that moment, not being in touch with him, not knowing where he was, and realizing he was an hour late from work, I begin to fill in the blank of what could have happened. At first I thought, okay, he's left me. He's left me for a soda stream employee at the King of Prussia Mall. He's run away with her. They're getting married in Mexico. I'm never gonna see him again. This is this is what my mind was doing, okay? I was filling in the blank. Clearly he wasn't where he was supposed to be in my mind. So something else terrible must be going on. I was filling in the blank. Then I thought, well, maybe it was something more terrible than that. Maybe he got into a car accident because it is raining and he is driving a very old car and sometimes Troy likes to drive a little too fast and so I thought that is what has happened he has gotten into a car accident his car has rolled into a ditch he's lying dead in his car I'm going to have a knock on my door at any moment from a police officer letting me know that my fiance is gone And here I am, filling in the blank with, frankly, something terribly morbid. And I begin to cry because I'm thinking about this non-reality being a reality. Now, Troy was gone for about an hour, okay, an hour from his usual arrival. And I'm in my apartment, in my bedroom, crying, hysterically, sobbing, 20 years old. I can't get a hold of him. I know his car is not in the university parking lot, and I am convinced that my fiance is lying dead in a ditch. So my roommate walks in, and my roommate sees me crying hysterically, and she's concerned, and she says, why are you crying? And I tell her, I'm crying because I don't know where Troy is. He normally is here about an hour ago, and we go get dinner but he never came home from work and I am afraid that he got into a car accident because look outside with the rain and the thunder and he drives that terribly obnoxious old car. I think he could be dead. 
At this point, I am not consolable in any way, shape, or form. I'm crying hysterically. She begins to cry. And she says, you know what we should do? We should have a prayer meeting. Now, I just need to put some context here. I went to a Bible college. I was being trained to be a pastor. So the idea of putting together a prayer meeting was not completely weird. Although now when I look back, she probably should have said we should call the hospitals or the police. But to me, it made 100% sense that she would suggest we have a prayer meeting. So my dear and wonderful roommate at the time begins to go around to the different apartments and dorms at our school and tell people that we're holding a prayer meeting in our bedroom because my fiance had died in a car accident on the way home from work. Girls across campus are so devastated to hear this, they begin to pour into our bedroom. There are probably at this point, I think 10 girls that were weeping hysterically alongside of me, trying to comfort me. And the more they cried, the more I cried. Talk about the drama that's going on. People are praying, people are reading scripture. There were people who were prophesying to me that I was gonna find a new fiance. I mean, it got, (laughs) it got so weird. And I was just undone because in my mind, this had to be the reason why I hadn't seen Troy that day. And one of my other roommates comes home and she hears this volume of weeping happening in the back of our apartment where our bedroom was. And she walks in and she says, what's going on? And my other roommate said, Troy has been in a car accident and is dead, and we're praying for Noel. And I'm not really paying attention to the fact that this message is going out to the world. I'm just so, I'm just so overwhelmed by the possibility of this having happened that I'm not really paying attention. So my two roommates begin to have a little bit of a fight, and the one that had just walked in said, well, did you call the hospital? Did you call campus security? Did you call the police? And my other friend was like, no, no, this is the only, this is the only possible thing that could have happened because we all know that Troy always comes home right from work and him and Noel go get dinner together. Now this is, this is the age where there was no cell phones and dinosaurs roamed the earth. So there was no way of, of staying in touch, you know, via cell phone. So she's telling this to my friend. She's saying this is the only possible thing that could have happened. And in the background, I'm crying hysterically. There's a group of young college women crying hysterically, praying for me. It is complete chaos and drama. And my other roommate says, I'm going to make some phone calls. And she leaves the room. And I guess she makes a few phone calls. And then she walks back into the bedroom where we're all gathered, crying and crying out to the Lord. And she says, Noelle, I'm going to need you to come with me. And at this point, I am absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced that she's about to drive me to the morgue. This is not a joke. This is just show you how insane I have been in my life. And so 
the the other women are like helping me get up i'm getting my shoes on i'm wiping my tear-stained face with like a sweatshirt that's on the floor and my other roommate leads me out of the apartment puts me in her car and drives about maybe 300 feet to another part of our campus which was called solomon's porch it was on the other side of campus but let me just stress this was a very small campus she drives me to this place called solomon's porch on campus which was basically like a snack shack for the college students and she takes me by the hand and leads me inside and there is good-looking hillbilly Troy eating some chicken fingers. I did not know if I wanted to hug him or slap him across the face. I didn't really know what I was feeling. I had literally convinced myself in the last hour that he was dead. And I had a whole, a whole group of people su- supporting me through this. And here he was at the college snack shack eating chicken fingers he never called me to tell me that he'd come home or at least I thought he hadn't you see what had happened was he did come home a little bit later because of the rain and he did call my room and leave a message (laughs) on my answering machine saying hey I'm late sorry I'm kind of hungry do you want to go to Solomon's porch and get something to eat I'm gonna wait for you for a little bit and then if I don't hear from you I'm gonna go ahead and go get some food and I missed that message (laughs) because I was in my room with 10 other college women crying so loud that I didn't hear the message Yeah, that is drama. The rumor of Troy's death had ran wild through the campus life. And so it was kind of humorous and not at the same time of all the people that were surprised to see him alive the next day because they had thought surely he was killed because of the prayer meeting that was happening in my bedroom. And so there was some consequences to the fact that I had done something that lots of us do. And that is when we don't know what is going on or what has happened, we fill in the blanks. Instead of at least waiting for correct information, we make up the information with the worst case scenario. Now you may go, I never do that. I never do that. Well, I don't believe you. I'm going to tell you that in friendship, we do this all the time, particularly when we're trying to get a hold of a friend and we can't, or they haven't called us or texted us back. I don't know if you got a chance to look at the YouTube sketch that we did in Friending this week. It was a short little sketch that we did uh, where I was waiting for a friend to text back to And then there was all these things I was thinking could possibly be the reason why she hasn't texted me back. And of course, they were negative. None of them were like, oh, maybe she's busy. They were all like 
something happened to her, she hates me, oh yeah, that one conversation we had, maybe it was something that I didn't realize was negative and she's mad at me about that. I mean, if you're honest, there has been a moment in your life where you have not known what was going on, don't know why somebody hasn't texted you back, don't know why somebody hasn't invited you to something or whatever it could be. And instead of getting information and facts, you have taken upon yourself to fill in the blank with the worst case scenario. If you are someone that has done this, I want to applaud you for even admitting it. Because <laughs> most of us don't ever do that. But the real truth is there is a very good number of us who do this very thing on a regular basis. Maybe not in our friendships, but maybe at work or in our community, there is a little bit of space. We don't know what's going on. And so we ourselves fill in the blank. And I'm here to tell you that if you stop filling in the blank, you will find yourself in a much more drama-free friendship. There is a term that I have heard the last several years, and it Literally, I've heard it from one person, although she says she's not sure if she originated it. But my dear friend and life coach, Elise Daly Parker, would say, resist the temptation to fill in the blank. Resist the temptation to fill in the blank. Only bad stuff comes from filling in the blank. Now, I remember when we were leaving Northern Ireland and I was actually telling Elise, she was coaching me at the time, I was telling her that I was concerned about how my friends may take the news of us leaving Northern Ireland to return to the States. And I was very concerned. And I had all these scenarios, these worst case scenarios that were floating around in my mind of what could happen. And because I was ruminating on these scenarios, it was creating anxiety. And I was actually kind of afraid of telling my friends about this new adventure my husband and I and our two kids were going on, which was returning back home to the States. And my life coach and dear friend, Elise Staley Parker said, I I I resist the temptation to fill in the blanks. It's only going to make you feel anxious and it's only going to cause problems in your relationship with these people. And that was some of the best freaking friendship advice I've ever received. And since then, I have really tried to be conscious of this. If I resist the temptation to fill in the blank and choose to assume the positive, assume that my friends will have the best motivation, the best intention, the best perspective, then I'm going to approach the friendship dilemma with a way different perspective. And I'm going to have a lot less anxiety floating around it. And I'm probably going to have no drama. Here's the thing. When we fill in the blank of something that we don't know, so when I say that, I mean, if, I, if I'm if i thinking about talking to my friends about leaving Northern Ireland to come back to the States, and I'm, I'm putting in my mind what their response is going to be, and it's going to be a negative response. They're going to be angry. They're going to curse at me. They're going to tell me 
I don't know what, what, I mean, none of them did any of that. But my point is my mind was filling in the blank of something that wasn't even true. Something that wasn't even true. There was no fact behind it. There was no, there was no evidence that would point to that even being true. I am patterning my behavior based upon a lie that I have told myself. That's where the drama comes in. Drama is stirred up by lies. Now, a nicer way of saying lies is negative thinking. Not all negative thinking is lies, but a lot of the lies that we tell ourselves in friendship really are based in chronic negative thinking. And why do we struggle with negative thinking? There's lots of reasons why, but I'm going to throw just this out there. Negative thinking is a learned habit. Suppose we grow up with a parent who is constantly expecting the worst in every situation. It's very easy for us to assume that this is the way we ought to see the world. Negative thinking is a learned habit and that's good news because you can unlearn that habit, okay? But if you're somebody who habitually thinks worst case scenario, you will fill in the blanks with lies that are just not even nice to think about. For example, we text a friend, they don't text us back. A couple hours go by, they haven't texted us back. We begin to feel a little bit anxious about that. Our mind can want to fill in the blank of all the reasons why they haven't texted us back and none of them are positive ones. We need to be able to interrupt our brain and say, hey brain, you don't have the facts, so don't try to paint a picture here. Just wait or reach out to the friend and say, hey, haven't heard from you. Is everything okay? And then begin to collect real facts that you can actually use to deduce what is going on. Going back to that story of good-looking hillbilly Troy and the alleged car accident, my one friend immediately just assumed that what I was saying was fact. The other one was like, hmm, we don't have any facts. Let's get some facts. And she made some phone calls. So I think that that's what our brain can do. It's like either we can just assume that this feeling we're feeling is 100% true, or we can say, mm, we don't really know that's true. Let's get some facts. And then we can make decisions and we can pattern our behavior based upon the facts that we receive. When we fill in the blank with the negative, drama happens. We tell ourselves a lie and say, okay, well, this woman didn't text me back because she hates me and she doesn't care to respond to me. That will shape how we behave towards her. That will shape how we perceive anything that she says to us, even if it's lovely the next day. She might say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. Um you know, busy day, stuff was going on. But hey, let's talk. We may perceive that as her just being disgenuine or trying to cover up her deep hatred for us. We can really cause drama in our own heads and in the friendship if we fill in the blanks. Every once in a while, I have the opportunity to do some friendship coaching, which I absolutely love. And if that's something that you're interested in, please email me and we can chat. But one of the things that often happens when I'm coaching somebody through a friendship situation is they will tell me the story, the big drama, 
but a lot of it is not necessarily fact. It is the feelings that this person has used to fill in the blank. So they may say to me, oh my gosh, this friend, she hates me. Oh, how do you know she hates me? Well, because she didn't, you know, call me back or she hasn't been inviting me to stuff. And I go, well, that's, that's not really, you know, factual evidence that she hates you. Have you had a conversation? Has she told you that she hated you? And of course that hasn't taken place, but because this person has been filling the blanks for so long, drama has happened and problems have come up. But if you really peel back the layers of what has gone down, it is that this person who I'm coaching has made decisions and has patterned certain behaviors and perspectives that she has filled in the blanks, not the facts, just what she has filled in the blanks. And a lot of us, we do struggle with negative thinking. So guess what? We're putting in those blanks negative misinformation. Can I just tell you what happens sometimes? We will tell ourselves lies. That's what we'll put in the blanks. Then we begin to pattern our behavior based upon what we've put in the blank. And then people get hurt. We stop inviting that person to our gatherings. We stop talking to them. We go into self-protection mode, even though there actually isn't any good reason to do that. But because we have filled in the blank with something that is not true, we then cause drama. I want to encourage you that if this is something you struggle with, to begin to train yourself to interrupt that narrative And when you don't know what is going on, to challenge yourself to not fill in the blank, but either to wait and see what happens or simply go and get some facts. And the way you go and get the facts is you pick up the phone. And I really mean that you have to pick up the phone. You can't do this over text or arrange to meet face to face and have a conversation. There are so many friendship dramas that really can be avoided if we do that. It's not easy to do. It's uncomfortable. It takes a level of vulnerability to do it. It takes a level of maturity to do it. But if you can do it, you're going to find yourself much more satisfied in your friendships. I remember one of my drama teachers saying, save the drama for the stage. And I always love that. You don't want to have unnecessary drama in your friendships. You want it to be a safe place where everyone can grow and be encouraged. And in order to do that, we each need to take responsibility of what is going on in our minds and how we respond to natural anxiety that we may feel. And the best way to do that the big secret, the superpower, the magic, so to speak, is to teach yourself to not fill in the blanks. Resist the temptation to fill in the blanks. When you haven't heard back from your friend, when you were not invited to the last barbecue, when your coworker that you usually are buddy-buddy with seems to be a little bit more quiet than usual, 
Don't take it upon yourself to decide what's going on. Either you need to go and find out what's actually going on or just wait and see. And a lot of times waiting and seeing is not a bad first move. If I had not caused all that commotion back in 2003 and I just really waited for Troy to come home, I probably would have heard the message on my answering machine saying, hey, I'm back. Sorry I'm late. Let's go to Solomon's porch and eat some fried chicken. Hey, listen, that's all we have for today on our episode of Friending. I want to remind you that we have this really awesome community called The Friending Squad, and it's a Facebook group. It's private, and we invite you to join us. It would be so great to have you. We have a lot of fun there, and I do some extra friending stuff there just for the members of that group. It is completely free. It's not a group that you have to pay for. So go to the show notes and you can find out more information about how you can be a part of the friending squad. Also, I want to let you know that right now I am doing something called weekend goodies. And so you can get on the email list for that. And I sent a very brief, and I mean brief email every Friday morning with some weekend goodies to help you have some fun with your people over the weekend. Just some fun ideas and recipes, even some music. It's it's just a little something to encourage you to hang out with your friends and the people that you love. So if you don't receive that email already, you can certainly sign up for it by going to the show notes. Okay, have a great day. Go and be a good friend because the world needs more of them. Till next time, your friend, Noel. Hey, are you enjoying this episode? Do you love friending? Then please do us a solid and go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And while you're there, tell us why you love the show. We would so appreciate that. Thanks for being a friend. Peace out.